0: Welcome to the Writing Time Podcast. I'm Blake Guthrie from the University of North Florida. I'm here today to continue our journeys through the collected works of Samuel Beckett and Anton Chekhov. This week I'd like to look specifically at the short story, Ward No. 6, by Chekhov. I want to look at this short story because there's a section in which Chekhov writes of the act of reading, and he does it in a really peculiar way. So, as we've sort of hinted at throughout the rest of these These podcast episodes, Chekhov is not exactly the most praiseworthy, or rather, he he does not give the most praise towards writers. He frequently, in fact, disparages the craft. This story, Ward number six, follows a doctor around a relatively primitive mental health facility. And you have to think this was written in... um, I mean, the late 1800s at best, let's, I don't know if I can find the date real quick. Yeah, 1892. So, just to give it some perspective, I mean, this is really in its infancy as far as psychology goes. And the story takes place out in the country far from Moscow in which the doctor, André, who is, roughly speaking, the protagonist, he describes his routines, including his patterns of reading. It must be supposed that reading was one of his morbid habits, as he fell upon anything that came into the hands with equal avidity. And that's a description of André's habits of reading. So the idea here of André's morbid habit is to demonstrate André's callous relation to things. This morbid habit, so to speak, speaks to the character's reliance on, and deference to, Stoicism. Not to mention the passage in which he and the ward, uh, the the ward member rather, debate on concepts of suffering. The insight there in that passage is to illustrate that Andre has but an academic understanding, that is to say a shallow understanding, of suffering. Chekhov then disparages the reader as he does the writer. For, in characterizing the act of reading as a morbid habit, especially when reading or recalling that habit is Beckett's great deadener, Chekhov immediately implicates those readers, such as myself, who are reading his story. If reading is a morbid habit, then I am engaging in it as I read his story. Notably, Ward 6 borders on the morbid with tales of mental derangement, beatings, and breakdowns. However, this is but one of the many moments in Chekhov's tales where he dispara- disparages his own craft. There's a couple of passages in this story. I, I'm not going to give a simple summary. I just want to read a few passages kind of to give give an understanding of, of what this story or how it's being told. He writes Chekhov writes of people who have a professional relation to other people's suffering he says, People who have an official, professional relation to other men's suffering, for instance, judges, police officers, doctors, in the course of time, through habit, grow so callous that they cannot, even if they wish it, take any but a formal attitude to their clients. In this respect, they are not different from the peasant who slaughters sheep and calves in the backyard and does not notice the blood. So, With this formal soulless attitude to human personality, the judge needs but one thing, time, in order to deprive an innocent man of all the rights of property and to condemn him to penal servitude. Only the time spent on performing certain formalities for which the judge has paid his salary, and then it's all over. You may look in vain for justice and protection in this dirty, wretched little town. 150 miles from a railway station, and indeed, it is not absurd even to think of justice when every kind of violence is accepted by society as a rational and consistent necessity. And every act of mercy, for instance, a verdict of acquittal, calls forth a perfect outburst of dissatisfied and revengeful feeling. So this really, this is about a judicial mistake, and and Chekhov kind of waxes aphoristically here about the imperfections of the criminal justice system in Russia at the time, but it also implicates people like police officers, people like EMTs, people, doctors, nurses, and people in between, even teachers. It's, it's easy, and Chekhov asserts here, all it takes is just time, just simply being exposed to people's suffering to grow callous towards them, to grow indifferent towards them. Chekhov also writes of the monotony of the ward, and in in the same sense, this can also be understood analogously like Beckett's Great Deadener. So, Chekhov writes, So long as the conscience is at ease, but the more sensibly and logically he reasoned, the more acute and agonizing his mental distress became. It might be compared with the story of a hermit who tried to cut out a dwelling place for himself in virgin forest, and more zealously he worked with his axe the thicker the forest grew. In the end, Ivan Dmitrich, seeing it was useless, gave up reasoning altogether and abandoned himself entirely to despair and terror. There's this idea that essentially, reason can lead to madness, and the monotony of reason can lead to madness. And here, this passage, this abundance of reason leading to madness, kind of, it plays out a Jungian idea of complexity and order, and how with increased complexity comes increased madness. With that understanding, it can be ascertained that the abundance of reason can be analogously understood, that reason equates to detail, or at least, that is, an abundance of detail, which leads to madness. Furthermore, and in the story, Chekhov writes explicitly of monotony. He says, Probably in no other place is life so monotonous as in this ward. In the morning, the patients except the paralytic and the fat peasant wash in the entry at a big tub and wipe themselves with the skirts of their dressing gowns. After that, they drink tea out of ten mugs, in which Nikita brings them out of the main building. Everyone is allowed one mugful. At midday, they have soup made out of sour cabbage and boiled grain. In the evening, their supper consists of grain left from dinner. In the intervals, they lie down, sleep, look out of the window, and walk from one corner to the other, and so every day. Even the former sorter always talks of the same others. Fresh faces are rarely seen in Ward number 6. The patients are condemned to see day after day no one but Nikita. And that sounds awful. No one, even a sane person, could could withstand the monotony of the ward. Or so, Chekhov would seem to suggest. There's also a discussion of life. And this is a really lengthy uh, exchange throughout the story. The Ward number six is almost 100 pages long, so there's a lot that goes on within this story. But I want to read part of this paragraph here. Life is a vexatious trap. When a thinking man meets his maturity and attains his full consciousness, he cannot help but feeling that he is in a trap from which there is no escape. Indeed, he is summoned without choice by fortuitous circumstances from non-existence into life. What for? He tries to find out the meaning and object of his existence. He is told nothing, or he is told absurdities. He knocks, and it is not open to him. Death comes to him, also without his choice. And so, just as in prison, men held together by common misfortune feel it more at ease when they are together, so too one does not notice the trap in life when people with a bent for analysis and generalization meet together and pass their time in an interchange of proud and free ideas. In that sense, the intellect is the source of enjoyment. Nothing can replace. This is one of the characters, uh, um, a moment of their dialogue, I want to say it's Andre, and, in fact, it is. They He is he's just talking to a prisoner over a beer and, go figure, waxing philosophically. Chekhov proceeds to have his characters discuss things like soul and immortality and fate. Uh, Chekhov describes the stillness of the ward as though there were nothing in existence but the books and the lamp with the green shade. And these questions of why man isn't immortal lead into a discussion of transmutation of substances, uh, as he describes consciousness and will. And he, and he writes, "...only the coward who has more fear of death than dignity can comfort himself with the fact that his body would live in time again in the grass, in the stones, in the toad. To find one's immortality and the transmutation of substances is as strange as to prophesy a brilliant future for the case after a precious violin has been broken and become useless. And then Chekhov writes of time, of the past and the present, of the magical changes in medicine that were happening at the time, and he even goes as far as to call them a revolution. Chekhov also implicates the very ward and its existence and suggests that like the American contemporary prison system with its for-profit prisons and its overcrowding and, and the whole awfulness, Chekhov here also presciently suggests that prisons and madhouses necessarily will exist for their whole role is to shut people up in them, and so they will bend over backwards to fill their wards. So Chekhov discusses in this story distinctions between madmen and sane men, and really blurs the lines between them. He also he undermines morality and logic with chance through some of his characters. Chekhov writes of the distinction between the society and the mad, and then he goes on to talk about uh, the future, finally. So, after those relatively depressing, but still interesting and philosophical conversations, uh, Chekhov's doctor eventually starts visiting one of these patients. He goes mad and eventually enters the ward on, him, on his own. So the consideration that, that he's been masking throughout the story all come pressing in on the doctor towards the end. And it's unclear whether or not the doctor was actually mad by the end, but he certainly was in a degenerative mental spiral. And this is one of the more fascinating works because, allegedly, Alexander Solzhenitsyn came back about 80 years after this story was published with Ward Number 6, or sorry, Cancer Ward, a novel which seems like a direct homage to Chekhov. And, and it's not about mentally ill patients, it's obviously about cancer patients. But there are still really deep parallels between the two stories um, even now. But Before we depart today, I'd I'd like to leave us with a a saying in Stoicism, as is our tradition here at the Writing Time podcast. And Stoicism is a philosophy that is always vitally aware of time, which is our main concern in the Writing Time podcast. And Stoicism is specifically aware of the implications for our own lives and impending mortality. Today I'd like to read from Epictetus in the Enchidrion it isn't events themselves that disturb people, but only their judgments about them. It's a really short quote, but I think it's really helpful to, to package Ward Number 6 and what goes on in that story. The idea in Ward Number 6 is that the exposure to the mad leads the doctor to become mad, or at least that's the surface-level reading. When you start thinking about the kinds of conversations, the the kinds of veiled, aphoristic thinking that Chekhov includes through his characters and their dialogue, it begins to become clear that it isn't necessarily the proximity of the doctor with the patients that disturbs him. It's the judgments about these people that disturbs him. He starts the doctor starts seeing the patients as sane, as reasonable. He goes and spends his free time in these wards with these patients to talk philosophy. And that's something especially for the time which was forbidden and all of the other doctors in the ward started conspiring and plotting against him, or at least used that as their opportunity to start undermining the doctor's authority. So again, it bears repeating, It isn't events themselves that disturb people, but only their judgments about them. So, until next time, I'm Blake Guthrie, your host, and you've been listening to the Writing Time Podcast. Stay curious.